0: Community Voice Podcast, episode number 36. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Welcome back to another episode of the Community Voice Podcast. Today, I am bringing to you a conversation with my dear friend, Terry Wilson, Terry Wilson is somebody who discovered me, I think, maybe all the way back to 2009 when he was searching for some information about podcasting, he became a loyal community member and follower. I didn't know a whole lot about him from his side until he reached out to me just a couple years ago and ended up uh, having a conversation with him. Ultimately, he ended up joining the Next Level Mastermind for one full year. And also at the same time, worked with him as a one-on-one coaching client uh, each month of that year, was an incredible opportunity to get to know him, and oh my gosh, lifelong friend for sure, and today is just another example of what it's like to have a true fan in your community, so I'm going to welcome to the community voice, my dear friend, Terry Wilson. Terry Wilson. Yes. How are you, brother? Man, I'm doing great. Sweet. I heard you have a conference coming up. Tell me about it. Post yeah, COVID even.
1: Yeah, dude, be honest, I can't even believe we're doing it. Uh, but uh, the folks want us to do it. And I said, are you sure? And they said, yes. And I said, well, you, have you seen the news? And he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll take every precaution that we need. But we didn't get to do it last year. And so we got to get together this year and... Uh, You know a little bit about me, and uh, it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse, uh, out of my comfort zone. Uh, I like being behind this microphone in this room by myself. (laughs) I'm comfortable here, man. But uh, I do like getting uh, to meet our community and the people at TW3, so we're having our fourth annual You Are Worth More conference in Greenville next week, and uh, can't wait.
0: That's awesome. I just got back from a big conference the podcast movement 2021 and it it was you know we were in the delta wing of the (laughs) of the opry (laughs) land resort (laughs) convention center wow (laughs) i'm not kidding it was it was the delta wing oh so it was fun but no it was good i mean as far as i know it i, I haven't heard anything like oh my gosh that was a big mistake or anything like that it, i had a good time i yeah. hugged people which was yeah. awesome they they did have uh, something cool they had these badges or the, so you know those little aluminum buttons you can button onto your shirt or yeah. that you could. Yeah. in this case you'd button it on your lanyard yeah, yeah. They had these buttons, and they had a red button, a yellow button, and a green button. And the red button is to indicate visibly, I'm social distancing. If you wouldn't mind, please don't come up to me. Um, then there is um, the yellow button is to indicate that I'm being cautious, but, you know, a little elbow bump is cool. And I called the green one, you can touch me button. <laughs> I, I, I wore the green, you can touch me button. Boy,
1: the applications for that uh, protocol could be used in multiple scenarios, I can imagine. <laughs> Would have made, yeah. made da- dating easier. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: can touch me button. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so, yeah, that was, that. so anyway, I don't, just a little thought of some potential things there.
1: Yeah, I, that, that's a great idea. I think we might just actually
0: do that. I hadn't even thought about that. Well, that's what I'm here for. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually <laughs> here to have a conversation with you. So let's go down a rabbit trail. Hey, what's something I don't know about you, Terry?
1: Oh, my word. Something you don't know about me. I don't know what you do. know. that's that's tough, tough to answer. Wow. Um, Something you don't know about me.
0: What's something you never tell anybody?
1: Something Tell me I mean, a deep.
0: Yeah. I want a deep, dark secret from your closet. Let's bring it out and shed some light. Bring it out. out. No, no, no. no. I, I, here's what I know about. It. I mean, I know you had a piano business. I know that you had an economy that crashed that business. I know that you bounced back, came back. You spent some time on the Tony Robbins, you know, Fiji resort, and yeah, you built yeah. a business today. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, yeah. every, everybody who really knows anything about Terry knows these things. Yeah. I know you so, like music. Chicago's your jam and stuff that's like my that. my jam, yeah. I think you're, what did they call it? Yacht music or something?
1: Yacht rock, yeah. Yacht rock. I, I sort of live my life out on my sleeve, so I'm trying to figure out what have I not bored everybody? What detail have I not bored everyone with?
0: Tell me the most embarrassing moment related to sports that you ever had. The most embarrassing moment?
1: thing in sports was when i was uh in junior high at basketball camp at campbell university and uh, i was raised by a single mom so we was a little bit poorer uh compared to maybe others but um mom worked her herself to, to provide as much as she could. And, and one of the things I loved growing up in the Carolinas, North Carolina, specifically at at my age group was the time when Michael Jordan and all of those were playing at North Carolina university. And so everyone, university of North Carolina. And so everyone in North Carolina was big Tar Heel fans back in the day. Uh, matter of fact, during, uh, the ACC championships and stuff like that, um, School was almost let out. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't imagine they would roll these. You remember those big carts in school with the big television the, strapped? To yeah. It?
0: The big 27 inch CRT. Yeah.
1: I mean, when it came to ACC tournament time, school literally just shut down. TVs were rolled into all the classrooms and everybody was glued to Duke, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, you know, in this, this big tournament. So it was. Dean Smith, the coach of North Carolina back then, was as high as a figure. You could put, he was like the Pope for people in North Carolina. He was like the Billy Graham of, you know, evangelicals. And so I got the chance to go to basketball camp. Uh, I wanted to go. I got approved to go. Went, couldn't afford to go to the North Carolina. I couldn't go to Dean Smith's basketball camp. It cost too much. So I went to North Carolina or the, the Campbell University. Said all that say. I'm out there, all I wanted to do, my childhood dream was to play basketball for Dean Smith. Well, it got out that the second week at the camp on that Tuesday, Dean Smith himself was coming to Campbell University to do a workshop while we were there. Oh my God, I am, I am, I go all fangirl. And so I'm out there and all I want to do is impress Dean Smith. So I'm out there at Cliff, I'm working myself up a lather. I mean, I am hustling. I am, if they say, Wilson, go get some water, I'm running to the water fountain faster than you. I mean, I'm just, I'm over the top crazy. And um, at the end, Dean got up and sort of spoke to our group of about 40 kids. And he pointed me out and used me as an example of, being high energy and low effect
0: and oh. it, cr-
1: it crushed me <laughs> it crushed me uh and i use it today as a life lesson but at the time man it was just i like you know it's like if you're a, a A Southern Baptist preacher and you want to impress Billy Graham and he hears you speak for the first time. He says, son, you need to go back and work on cars or something. This ain't, it's like you're crushed. It's like, Oh my. But I was used as the illustration in that talk of how you can expend a ton of energy and do a lot of things and be very, very busy. But at the end of the day, you're paid to execute, not to provide effort. Effort is important, but execution is what puts the points on the board. It's what stops points from going on the board, and we we spend our time learning our craft, developing our skills, so that um, we're effective. And we execute on a plan and I wasn't executing on any plan. I was just working myself to death, you know, just trying to look good, trying to impress. So that crushed me, man. That was, that was like, that was probably the most embarrassing time of my life because number one, it was a dream that seemingly got shot down by my idol. And number two, you're among your colleagues, so to speak, all these kids. And so, you know, for the rest of the, remainder of the week of that camp i'm looked at as a kid that the busy kid that doesn't get anything done so
0: and that has served you incredibly well until this day
1: oh my gosh it, i have gotten more mileage out of that story i've gotten more done because of that story that story has served the greatest motivator for me in so many different ways uh even though it hurt at the time wouldn't trade it for the world
0: I love those kind of stories. I love I love those stories that, man, this was an incredibly, in your case, embarrassing, somewhat painful experience. Yeah. I wouldn't wish it on my enemy. Right. But, but, man, I'd never go back and change a thing about it. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's cool. Is, yeah. Dude, we're done. Wait, dude, I, that, that, is, that was it, man. <laughs> I, th- I think people could stop there and just like man, that was a cool story. Well,
1: yeah, you, you you pulled that one out of me. I spent a long time since I recalled that
0: one. Sweet, that's yeah. awesome, man. So let's see here. What is your favorite memory about being a poor kid in North Carolina?
1: My favorite memory. Of being the poor kid in North Carolina was the family holidays with our family. Uh, There was a few Christmases where gifts weren't even exchanged. uh, And the gifts that were were like really uh, homemade, like little, little things like that. But the family time and the warmth of the family and just the absolute goodness of the people in my family, I... I use it today as a security blanket because uh, it's just, uh, you know, uh, perfect love cast away, you know, all fear, right? Yeah. And uh, there was just a lot of love in our rural poor family uh, from Appalachia portions of the Carolinas. And so, yeah.
0: Well, a lot of people don't know this about my story, but... When I was born, my mom and my dad uh, were very poor, and my dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict, and my earliest memory is living in, we called it the projects, government housing In this place called, it's today called City Heights, which is a fancy name for (laughs) what it was then. It was called Ida Spence. I have no idea why it was called Ida Spence. By the way, this is a place where uh, just a few years ago that if a police car were to drive up there, it's not coming off the hill with all four wheels on it. Wow. That's the the reputation of this place. Okay. So (laughs) it, it was an unwieldy drug infested it was it was dude if you walk outside you may not be alive for the rest of the day i mean it was (laughs) i mean it 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 got a lot worse after i lived there than when i lived there but still i mean this is you know early mid-70s that i recall this and my i recall like just being in this area and um i remember one of my dad's friends who uh, they I guess they were hanging out doing you know smoking pot drinking whatever doing their stuff and I'm just this little kid and one of my earliest memories is trying to you know go downstairs and maybe go outside and play and stuff like this and jokingly I think this guy held a knife to my neck and says if you go out there I'll slit your throat that that's that's one of those <sighs> kind of things that you know will stick in your brain for a little while so it's one of my earliest memories but um, you know, I I, I grew up. I, I share all of that to say that I come from a you know also in a situation where my mom and my dad didn't have much. They were living off yeah. of government assistance and and all of this stuff. And eventually, my mom had the courage to leave my dad, and yeah. she, uh, and you know of course that, that was she she uh, met my stepdad who is now my dad and got remarried and stuff like that but even that we you know there were there were tough times and one yeah. of the things I can tell you is man I'm incredibly grateful I am incredibly grateful to know life where financially you're at what could be considered worst case scenario yeah yeah because you know what as bad as it was uh my dad biologic dad he loved me. My mom, yeah. she loved me. I had friends. I played yeah. I remember hanging out and then having a good time with my cousins. Sure. There were there were some unique experiences that I had as a kid. <laughs> sure. But you know what? I remember mostly my childhood being I, I didn't first of all, I didn't have anything to compare my childhood to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this is just life. And and I just remember enjoying childhood as a matter of fact today i still have fond memories of of my childhood and stuff like that um and and then when my like like i said when my mom and my stepdad got together and they're you know it was it was tight for them and i look it's only in hindsight that i see just how difficult it was for them yeah but i i don't recall it feeling all that difficult back then And it's amazing how our perception of how difficult life is when you don't have money and all this other things. And and so I ironically, I dealt with a lot of fears about money for a long period of time. But it's only because, Terry, I lost a conscious memory of what it was like. I, I had blocked out a lot of my memory as a childhood for whatever reasons. But as I go back, I I relive that and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, that that wasn't so terrible. I used to focus only on the bad things and and once my father, my biological dad passed away. Once he passed away, I I went back and reevaluated where my focus was. And it turns yeah. out that I had far more fond memories than any bad memories with my dad. And gosh, I, I allowed myself to freely flow through the vast memories of my childhood and I'm like, gosh, I I really did have a great childhood.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I to be to I'm I'm right there with you because only in the context of my modern day life do I say my childhood was poor and hard because had you asked Terry Wilson, seven-year-old, eight-year-old kid, I was, I'm at the time of my life. No, we ain't got nothing. No, all the clothes I have comes from, you know, hand-me-downs from cousins and stuff like that. No, I've never (laughs) known what it's like to do certain things, but I was as happy as I could be. You know, and, uh, you know, it's amazing how we lose sight of that just because of our own framing devices that we adopt and we have to learn to get back, you know, to that simplicity of, you know, as a child.
0: So tell me, Terry, what's the what's the one book that you've read in the last two years that people would be shocked to hear that that's a book that you've read? (laughs) All right, hold a second He's grabbing a book I'm going to narrate He's looking under his desk
1: This book I continue to read Off and on And it was recommended to me By a guy named Cliff Ravenscraft And Up until uh, From 25 years of age on I have always been overweight And very heavy uh, and because my eating habits never changed from when I played ball, cause I used to play ball all the time. I was a basketball player and I could eat what I want, had a big appetite. But when I got a little older and started having kids, I stopped working out, stopped exercising and kept eating. And it caught up with me to the point I got up to around 290. Uh, and then I had a conversation with Cliff last year, Cliff, <laughs> and he recommended this book. And, uh, I'm at my lowest weight now that I've been in 20 years and, um, I absolutely love working out. I'm addicted to it. Um, I'm eating better than I've ever eaten before. And yeah, Terry Wilson, cause I, it used to be a joke. I would always say, if you see Terry Wilson run, you better run too. Cause something's about to blow up. <laughs> you know, that was just. I am not, and uh, I, you know, I, I don't mind saying I was known as the fat guy. You know, I was just, uh, you know, my my reputation was probably someone that comes with a great joke, uh, someone that's fun to be around, very cordial and congenial, and and good at business and different things. But you know, health isn't his thing. Well, um, health has become my obsession and my thing, and so that's so out of the norm for uh the former terry wilson
0: and that book of course is called younger next year live strong fit sexy and smart until you're 80 and beyond that's right by chris crawley and henry s lodge md yeah great
1: so i'm still digging on it man i'm still digging on it it's a source of information and uh inspiration
0: I remember that conversation between the two of us as if it were yesterday. It was one of our one-on-one coaching sessions and I believe yeah. I may have said, "Terry, what <laughs> if I told you by the end of this conversation you will be in love with the idea of working out?"
1: Yeah, I you know, it's one of those statements f- for my mindset at that time. I was like, "This guy is just crazy." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is so confident in his coaching that I love it. But at the same time, he just don't know. And uh, sure enough, by the end of the conversation, my mindset, it was all 120% mindset. Because as my mind went, my body followed. Yep. And I kept just trying to willpower my body into doing something without my mind changing about it. So the whole time, the only thing that kept me on that elliptical or treadmill or whatever form of exercise I was doing was just sheer willpower. And, that you know, I'm just not that willful.
0: Well, you you are for a couple of weeks.
1: At, At best. Mm hmm. But as my uncle Dean used to say, "Boy, got a lot of quit in him." <laughs> all,
0: all what I love about it is all I did was work on some subconscious programming, mm-hmm. took out some old code, uh, typed in a few not a few lines of new code, and, and I added even, Woody it, the woodpecker, and I and I put a Woody, <laughs> I put a Woody the woodpecker trigger trigger in there for you.
1: Yeah. And it worked and it's still working uh, as of uh, September 1st, 2021.
0: That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Yeah, so, well, thank you. I am reading a new book. So, uh, I, by the way, I just finished reading a book called Psy K, which is psych hyphen K. It's basically a sales pitch for their workshops where they teach you the Psyche process, one of those kind of things. I got you. But there was enough value in this book that I actually really enjoyed it. It it was a great reminder and refresher of the programming code of our subconscious mind and how if you don't change the programming code, you don't get different results, Uh, which is kind of like what we were just referring to. Anyway, I finished that book I also just recently finished the book called Karma by Sadhguru. I've been reading that book for a very long time. I I read lots of books at the same time. But I am currently 29% of the way into the autobiography, or it's actually a biography, but it's written as an autobiography. Uh, In conjunction, uh, the author of it uh, wrote it with uh, Carl Gustav Jung, the psychiatrist from yeah. Germany. Yeah. Uh, it's titled Memories Dreams Reflections. And this is a fascinating I thought my you think your my childhood was messed up. This guy had a messed up
1: childhood. <laughs> it's all relative, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I'm, I'm totally down a deep rabbit hole right now and and I'm having fun with it.
1: That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Well, you seem to be able to just uh, uh, dig out those nuggets all the time. It's fun to watch you uh, discover all this content. I, I was I, one of those books you might have mentioned in uh, your uh, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft podcast. I, it was the one I just listened to about the fly.
0: Oh, yeah. That was from Psyche.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I remember you mentioned it. I was like, where does he find all of this great stuff? You know that I'm actually going, I went and uh, ordered, I think that book cause I, I wrote it down and I got it yeah, because I was going to use it at the conference as my opening. Uh, I was going to use the metaphor of the fly there. Yeah, uh, that, uh, that was such a great, great story.
0: Oh, it's so good. Matter of fact, I sat down and what you don't know is, is what you heard in that podcast episode, I had already recorded for about 23 minutes. I was just simply going through and reading the highlights that I made in that book and sharing my commentaries on the highlights. Yeah. And then when I got to the, finally got to the fly and I told the story and and stuff like this, like, okay, no, I, I'm going to cut straight to the chase. This this is, this episode is going to be focused on the fly metaphor.
1: Yeah. And it was great. It was so great. That
0: was fun. Yeah, man. I love, I'm, I'm loving creating me some content.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I can see it. And, and congratulations on uh, rebooting Podcast Answer Man.
0: Oh, dude. That's, that's fun.
1: Yeah. That's- uh, I think, I think you're going to eventually just be the Answer Man.
0: I think so. I, 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 <laughs> I want to become the Mindset Answer Man, the Podcast Answer Man, the Mastermind Answer Man, the Health and Fitness Answer Man. I want to, yeah, just,
1: before long you'll be like prince you just have
0: a a logo (laughs) the keto answer man that's right i love it i love it the hindu answer man (laughs) that's right man go out there brother go out there this has been something that's been interesting uh, terry is i've been doing lots of clubhouse rooms and i don't know what's going on or why but i have a lot of men from india who show up in my room lots of them and it's just, and, and I don't make this, I trust me, I make no assumptions about anything anymore. I, at least I try not sure. to. So sure. I don't make an assumption that every man or woman from India has a Hindu faith or even has faith, like right. of anything that they attach themselves to. And I know there are lots of mos- Muslims and, and stuff like that in, in India, but it just so happens that these men that have come into my room either are devout Hindus or people who are really struggling in life at an incredibly deep level emotionally, Mm. and yet they actually do have a very strong root in their upbringing in the Hindu faith. And it's crazy, Terry, that I've actually been helping people understand their faith at the deepest level and actually experiencing what it is to have this you know, this awakening moment uh, through conversations on clubhouse. It's like, what the heck? Dude,
1: I'm telling you, I don't know of anyone who has leveraged that platform better than you. I mean, you are an early adopter and it just seems like every matter of fact, every time I turn around, my clubhouse thing is popping and there's Cliff. He's in another room. <laughs> it's like he is making it happen. Well, so that's it's awesome.
0: It's, it, it's a, about getting clarity about what i want. I mean, I, number 1, i know that i'm a introvert. I need lots of alone time to recharge, rejuvenate. I want to be alone with my thoughts. I want to be i want to process what i'm learning. I want to spend countless hours alone distraction-free reading, studying, taking in information, journaling, meditating. I really desire tons of time alone. Yeah. But if I'm going, if I'm going to be engaged with somebody, I want to have a meaningful conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I sometimes have a very strong desire to seek out somebody who's ready for a meaningful conversation.
1: But it does seem like that platform uh, affords that it more does. so than any other social media platform
0: tell me what is your earliest experience with social media platforms
1: i would probably have to be facebook yeah or my, excuse me rerun my, myspace uh, myspace myspace because uh i was putting up music worship songs i had written and uh soundtracks i had done and stuff like that on myspace did you early ever, on did you ever have a frapper rap I did not. I did not. <laughs> do you know
0: what a frapper map is? I have no, I do not. <laughs> what is a, I'm
1: scared? <laughs>
0: what is a frapper map? So a frapper map, imagine uh, I if you were to quote unquote listen to one of my podcasts and I say, Hey, if you're in our community, head over to my myspace.com slash Cliff and Stephanie, which is what ours was. Yeah. And make sure that you drop a pin on our frapper map. And so basically it's kind of like if you can imagine Google Earth. But you can log in and dro- you go to your hometown and you click a pin, you drop a like a virtual pin in the map, and then you type in your name and what city that you're from.
1: So and you know where your audience is and at. so you
0: would know. Ah, that's and, cool. And it, it was Frapper, F-R-A-P-P-R.com, I think it was. I got you. I, I'm that looking, is, so, I that if is that, so cool. I wonder if that URL is still in existence.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is MySpace even a thing still?
0: Uh, it, it, I think it is, but it's something completely different. So there is, okay, before you continue to Frapper.com, by clicking this button, you'll go through a standard security check. But, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> so let, let's go to Google. I, I want to go to Google.com, and I'm going to type in Frapper. Okay, F-R-A-P-P-R, and then I'm going to click images. Yeah, there you go. So if you just do a Google search for F-R-A-P-P-R and switch it over to images, uh, there's a ton of, and it it gives you a visual of what a Frapper map looked like.
1: F-R-A-P-P-R?
0: Yeah, Frapper, F-A-P-P-R, and then change it to images, and you'll see a bunch of, uh, of, of screen captures of what a Frapper map looked like.
1: Ah, okay, yeah. Anyway, that is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that that was like that was a big deal. Like every podcaster had a frapper map back in two thousand six.
1: Yeah, I didn't get started in the podcasting thing until uh, really oh nine. Was when I started, and when I started, it was actually uh, a radio show for a local. AM radio station in my hometown and he owned a couple stations around the Western North Carolina area. And so I was able to get on that. And then someone told me about podcasting and I Googled what is podcasting and this guy named Cliff Ravenscraft pulled up and that's how I've been in your community probably since 20, 2009, 2010, maybe.
0: Some people have been asking me why after all this time, are you bringing podcast answer man back. And I said, well, there are plenty of reasons. Uh, the biggest one being that I think there's a void in the industry with, I think, what I believe is my mindset as it relates to why podcasting is so awesome. And it's yeah. not all about monetization, money, ranking, and, and right. size of audience. So I, I, I've... I really need that. I believe that message should be out there. But the second thing is, is gosh, I can't begin to tell you there's the number of people who, who are out there searching for information about podcasting and they used to find Podcast Answer Man and people used to say, go check out Podcast Answer Man. And, and then when I switched away from that, which was very intentional and I knew it would happen, that, that resource was no longer the thing, the destination that they ultimately ended up on. So, now the destination has returned.
1: Well, congratulations and thank you because uh, I always enjoyed that uh, content as well.
0: So uh radio station so you had a radio show like on terrestrial radio
1: Ter- am terrestrial radio
0: what? Uh, tell me a- about your show am
1: a- wcab dollars and cents with terry wilson
0: dollars and, and cents was the name of the radio show yeah, it
1: was name of the show and, how long did uh, you do this i did it for two years and it was around it was a way of trying to figure out how to promote at the time my insurance business because I, you know, after the, the music business closed, uh, I went unemployed for a good six months. And then a, a pastor friend of mine told me about the illustrious career of insurance and <laughs> got me into, uh, insurance. And I went to work for a company out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio called Western and Southern life. And, um, Great company. Love those people. Uh, they'll always have a special place in my heart because it was like a life uh, life raft thrown to someone who was drowning professionally. And uh, the only thing was um, the way to market those products, goods and services was so out of my um, comfort zone and norm of doing business. I was an online marketer. That's how I, I started the piano business. And, uh, I could not figure out, I did not want to call your friends, family, and foes, you know, asking for referrals and, you know, there's no brick and mortar. You work from home, except you go into this corporate office in Hickory, North Carolina, you know, once a week for the rah-rah meeting and all that. But outside of that, you're out in the field. So how do you generate business? And so, um, I've always had a proclivity for speaking. That's, uh, probably looking back on it, what led me to even becoming one ordained minister is just because I wanted to get up in front of people and talk. You know, I look back on my life. You know, it's amazing as you get older, you, you, you start to discover more about yourself and that you didn't know. I was like, why did why in my early days did I want to be a lawyer? Why did Perry Mason and all these guys on TV just so attracted to me? I thought at first I wanted to be a lawyer, then I wanted to be a preacher, and then I wanted, and it all had to do with one thing. I love to communicate. I love to inspire people with the spoken word. And so uh, I contacted a friend of mine that owned a radio station and uh, he said, yeah, I got a slot on Saturday mornings at nine o'clock if you want to do it. He says, uh, what you can do is sell advertisement to local businesses uh, for the show and we split the profits. And so, you know, that was a way for me to get on and get paid and him get paid and so That's what I did. And so we did it for two years. And then someone saying, well, you ought to take all these because I wasn't in the actual radio station because I had a music background, because I was used to recording. I'd I'd done soundtracks and worked in recording studios from early on in my life all the way through high school and on. I knew how to get behind a, a console and record and all that other stuff. So I would just record it, send it as an MP3 and send it over to him. Well, someone said, well, you're already creating a a podcast. Why don't you just put this on the internet? so I didn't know anything about that. And so that's what sort of got me in front of you or at least your content. And, uh, but yeah, I did that for two years and and loved it, loved it. And sometimes thinking, uh, about taking some of the shows we've created here and, and maybe shopping it out to, uh, uh, there's one show that we're doing right now about Yacht Rock and uh, seriously considering calling Sirius XM and just saying, Hey, can we have a, what can we do? Here's some, here's some samples of what we do. And I just show some of the, I've already, as you know, have uh, interviewed a couple people from Chicago since then I've interviewed some people from Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald. And so I've, I've sort of built up an inventory of some interviews with some who's who. And so, uh, uh, I've always had a warm place in my heart for radio. And so that's something I'm thinking about doing. I don't know if I'll do that or not, but uh, yeah, that was the radio program. And how so, that explains the format. If you ever listen to my podcast, if you'll notice, it's, it's like a radio show. It is. I mean, it's got it's got four segments, <laughs> it's got commercial breaks, <laughs> you know. It's 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 got the bumper music, everything, intro, outro, and all that stuff. So uh, it's just I'm a I'm a radio guy doing podcast. <laughs> really,
0: <laughs> that's awesome. So you did this radio show for two years, dollars and cents. how successful were you at at getting people who listen to the show to buy your life insurance products?
1: Oh, it it, it did the trick. It did the trick. Um, uh, we did, did well. It it got me out of having the cold call and all of that nonsense. And I was like a little Dave Ramsey, you know, preaching, you know, buy term, invest the rest, the whole, the whole AO Williams, you know, mindset of, uh, insurance. Uh, but, I started in my second year, the reason I went to podcasting is because, uh, you know, I had worn the local market out. I'm only on two local radio stations, you know what I'm saying? And so I felt like, you know, I had this huge trajectory of, of new business coming in and then it just sort of flatlined. And so I was either going to have to get on more radio stations or figure out another way. And so that's why I went to podcasting, and then from podcasting um, to going as an independent broker because I was then running into some, as you know, as a captive agent, you're told how you can market, where you can market to, and all this other stuff. Because, and I get it; it's no shade on them at all, but they they're a huge target for a lawsuit you know, for FCC coming in and doing something or whatever. And so they're very, very guarded about how uh, their products can be represented. So as an independent, you know, it's on you. Of course you assume all the liability if you say something out of the way or, or whatever else. And so, but I went independent. And when I did that, it was like the floodgates opened. in another year and a half, two years after that, I'm at uh, Fiji at the Tony Robbins place, teaching other insurance guys how to, uh, to market online
0: nice yeah well I I love hearing about all of that and it reminds me I, I was a guy who you know as you know worked in the family run insurance agency that my stepdad owned and sitting there selling auto and uh, home insurance and adding a car here and there quoting the difference between a $500 deductible and a $1,000 deductible and boy did my world change when I went and <laughs> got my life license oh and all I had to do is say, would you like a hot apple pie with that? <laughs> for real. And, and, and so in f- for have you heard the story of how I used to sell 30 policies a month, 30 term life policies a month?
1: I vaguely remember something about it, but tell me again because I, I don't so, remember. So
0: here's what happened. Uh, let's say Joe comes into the office. He's yeah. uh, He's 27 years old. He's yeah. married to his wife who is 25 years old, and they have two young kids that are aged two and three, all right? And Joe says, hey, just went and got this brand new uh, late model this year, pulled off of the lot, Ford Mustang convertible. Mm. How much, for me as a 27-year-old male, is it going to cost to add this to my policy? And of course, this kid's never had a sports car in his life, but he's got a decent job, right? so right. he can afford the car payment on it. And uh, so I go to quote this policy, and I'm like, well, listen, this is gonna cost you a, an extra $150 a month on top of what you're already paying. He's like, $150 a month? <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, however, I, I said, I, I mean, have you, have you ever thought about getting life insurance? Oh, no, I don't wanna get life insurance. I don't need life insurance. I'm like, well, let me ask you some questions here. So first of all, do you own your own house? Nope, don't own my own house. Do you have an apartment? Yes. Okay, great. Um, do you have any credit card debt? Yeah, about probably a total of about $35,000. And I said, do you, it, did you put a lot of money down on this card? No, dude, they let me off a lot. You know, I, have, I don't have to pay my first payment. I didn't have to put any money down. You know, blah, blah, blah. That's why I can't pay this payment of $150 a month. I said, well, what if I told you I can get this down to right under $100 a month, uh, but that would require that you take out a, a an apartment insurance policy for about $5 about five to $7 a month, and you need to take out a life insurance policy that's about $10 a month. Now, the thing is, is it's just a little bit less than what you're going to pay, but you're, you already bought the car, right? I mean, it, yeah, so it's going to be $150 if you don't take out any additional policies. But let me ask you this. You're married? Do you have kids? Yeah, two kids. Okay, great. So you've got about $30,000 in credit card debt. You've probably got about $25,000 in debt or more on this, you know, car that you just bought. Um, have you ever thought about what would happen to your wife and your young children if you died in this car? In a, in this car in an accident. And he's like, well, "I'd rather not." I said, "Well, let's just think about it for just a moment." <laughs>
1: I don't want to think about it.
0: <laughs> and and I sit there. I said, "Now here's the deal. I can get you your rate as far as it's increase. I can get you out the door probably right around one fifteen, one seventeen a month. It's still going to. be, I mean, you got a sports car with a convertible, and you're twenty seven years old. Oh, and by the way, you do have one speeding ticket. You know, so uh, you know, I can't change what car you got." But I can do this. And he and but the thing is, I said, I I don't anticipate anything will happen to you. The only thing is, is I can guarantee you it's gonna end up saving you money if you were to take out a hundred and fifty thousand dollar life insurance policy, and if you were to take out a seven dollar a month apartment insurance policy. Now, if any all of your belongings inside of your apartment, if there's a fire or tornado or something like that, it's covered or burglary, it's covered. If something happens to your car, obviously it's covered, you're gonna pay for that no matter what, but also if something happens to you and you die, your wife receives a check for $150,000. That pays off all of the credit card, it pays off the remaining of this car, and it also allows you to put your two kids through college. And he goes, and, and, and I'm gonna end up saving about $20, $30 a month, yes. He goes, well, why wouldn't I? And I said, and he goes, I thought life insurance was like a hundred or two hundred or three hundred dollars a month. I said, Yeah, there's some people who will sell you that type of policy. But let me talk to you about the benefit of buying term and investing the difference. And I would sit there and then educate this person on how to become debt free by the end of the 10 or 15 or 20 year term policy that I was selling him. Right. And the whole idea is that you want to get out of debt and have money invested by the time this policy runs out. But here are the benefits of keeping this policy if you're not in that position. You could always buy you know, a, d- a different policy and if you're not healthy at the time, this still covers until 95, it's expensive. But trust me, uh, you know it, there, there are reasons why this is a good policy for you. And so he goes, well how much would it be for my wife? What if something happens to my wife? Or actually I would say, well, what if something happens to your wife? Well my wife doesn't work from home, I was like, yeah, so, but let me ask you this. If your wife died, who takes care of the kids? hmm And how old your wife? She's 25. And I sat there, I said, do you know it's only like $7 a month for a $100,000 life insurance policy for your wife? And by the way, we can put a $10,000 per child child rider for only $3 a month on your policy. By the way, so now... You have a $150,000 life insurance policy, your wife has a $100,000 life insurance policy, each of your children have $10,000 worth of coverage on their life, and you have an apartment insurance policy, and you're covering the car, and by the way, now you're at $130 a month, or $135 a month. You're still $15 less, and you're a more responsible person out the door. He goes, dude, sign, sign me, me up. up. <laughs> and then that guy, Joe, goes talking at work to all of his friends who are also his age, who also have new cars, who also have young wives, who yeah. also have young kids, who are also in debt, some of them with very large mortgages. And my waiting room at my office is packed full. Nice. That's my old days in insurance.
1: Nice. Well, you know, I still believe in the products and uh, all of the benefits it brings. I am a um, consumer of life products to this day. Um, so uh, it's just the business side of it. I'm glad I'm not in it anymore.
0: Yeah, me, for me, I just can't make enough money from it. There's like there, there's a limit on how many people I can have those kind of conversations with and term life insurance doesn't provide tons of commission.
1: Well that's the thing is the scalability of it. And I was telling someone that was a client of mine because he sees me in because he's a member, he sees a lot of the marketing pieces I have that's still marketing insurance products and things of that nature. And he says, why Did you let your license go back? If you're, you you can still do all this. I said, dude, I make more money selling these leads off for $25, $50 a pop than I would sitting down with each and every one of them, getting it underwritten, working on, you know, the, cause you know how life insurance is. You have the, what is it? The retention rate is only what it's going to be. And once I sell that lead, I don't care, you know at that point if they buy they don't buy or whatever else It's it's just more scalable and it keeps me in the industry i still believe in and like but uh y- you're right it's the, the 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 business end of it there's some challenges to it
0: yeah the, the only way that to make ongoing recurring consistent revenue from life insurance sales is if you sell permanent life insurance
1: yeah yeah because of the trails yeah
0: Yep. Yeah, and, and and in term life insurance for those who are uninitiated in this world uh, basically, whatever the premium is, you usually get one hundred percent. Sometimes maybe one hundred and thirty percent of whatever they pay the first year. That's your commission on the policy, and then it's gone. That you don't and ever get a right. you don't get anything else. So it's basically hunting and gathering all the time. There's no recurring revenue. Uh,
1: every day you wake up, it's a new day. Doesn't matter what you did yesterday. You gotta you yeah. gotta work to eat today. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, <laughs> it's fun how much uh, we have in common in that area. Well,
1: Well, I think, you know, uh, your background with uh, your family coming up a little poor like me in the region of the country and your proclivities to podcasting and speaking and your Christian background and your insurance background, all of that was rapport building. and, And I don't remember outside of the insurance. I don't know of anything else that I knew about you that drew me to you and your podcasts, but there is just a familiar spirit. I think, I think peer, people carry a certain aura about them that speaks, you know, especially uh, for other believers and people that are sensitive to those things. You, you sort of get a cut of, as we say in the South, a cut of someone's jib just by listening to them talk for a moment. Even if uh, they're talking about something Totally off subject or whatever. It's just like I got a sense of that person, that's, and that's how I felt when I started listening to you years ago. You know, I didn't know about the 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 complex uh, family background that you just shared, but I had a sense about it. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's just there's a lot of things I I don't know, but I sense.
0: Yeah. I love what you're... We just had a conversation in the AM group of the Next Level Mastermind today uh, talking about Aura.
1: Oh, uh, the, well, how about that?
0: We did, and I was talking about the... Because somebody had said, you know, it's just like, I'm just in a hopeless situation, a helpless situation. I said, dude, I, you can't go into this call feeling like you're in a helpless situation because... That creates, there, there's, people will sense that. And yeah, and, yeah. and that's just not how to show up. And, and so I said, and the way that I said this, have you ever walked down the street and you pass somebody, you don't have to pass them close, but you pass somebody, let's just say it's 98 degrees, uh, relative humidity around 90 degree 90%. So it, it, it's hot and steamy. Yeah, yeah. And you the person might be on the other side of the street walking on the on the opposite sidewalk on the other side of the street. But all of a sudden you can just tell this is a person who does not believe in personal deodorant. <laughs> 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 There's just a smell That's wafting right. around them. It's like that little pig pen from Charlie Brown, that little dust yeah. cloud that just follows him everywhere. And I sit there, I said, and that's how we are. And so you might show up on a Zoom call and and stuff like that, but and, and you might not think, but I'm going to tell you, they can smell it in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. It no, just shows up.
1: It's amazing how these nonverbal cues that the mind is so programmed to pick up on, you know,
0: it's, a, it's 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 su- what it's called in what I've discovered is it's called subtle energy. Subtle meaning uh, it's invisible. It's beyond the spectrum of what we can see with invisible light. Yeah, you or, can't with, articulate with, it. it. At
1: least I can't. It's just you feel it.
0: Yeah, it it's it, it's, it, it's radiation. Uh, yeah, yeah, dude. If if you had some plutonium sitting there in your room, you're not gonna see it,
1: right? But
0: you're gonna feel it.
1: You're gonna have the effects of it.
0: Yeah, uh, and so uh, that that's the thing, and and there is a part of us that is a is a part of us that we often are unaware of or unconscious of that has the ability to perceive things that our five senses can't. But there is this thing called the sixth sense. Yeah, and that's what and that's think. where you
1: see dead people, right? <laughs> <laughs> you
0: no, know, I, I I've been joking around. I I was thinking about putting on tw- Twitter. I was literally thinking about putting out a tweet and then I thought, ah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I still will, but I've been spending a lot of time talking with dead people lately. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, what I'm talking about is reading books and their biographies yeah, yeah, about yeah, their yeah, life. Yeah. You know, Alan, but, but
1: that'll mess with people. <laughs> yeah, that'll mess with them. Especially them knowing the context you come from. They're going to be like, oh, well, what is he doing now? <laughs> <laughs>
0: i seriously dude i it's like it's like carl gustav young is he's chatting with me about life and his experiences and it's like i'm it's well their
1: spirit still lives yeah it's it's in a different form it's not flesh and blood but it's still there
0: and and alan watts is someone else and and all these other people i'm just and yogananda which you've heard me talk about and all these other things and 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 if you want to know why Cliff is back all in on content creation is because it's not about that I want to leave a legacy. It has nothing to do with that. It's just that who knows who will pick up on some stuff. Maybe one day somebody somewhere will say, you know what, the, the Spirit of God spoke through Cliff Ravenscraft Every time he got behind a microphone, there was something there, and I don't yeah. even think Cliff was aware of it all the time. But you know what? He, we found his he, we found his uh, backups of all of his hard uh, of his hard drives, and he's got copies of all those thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of content. And we're we're gonna start combing through these, editing out some of the gems, and who knows what they'll create out of it.
1: But man, we, we as content creators don't know the effect we're having. I don't think we ever will. And, but we definitely should start appreciating it more. You know, we started the show with talking about the conference and one of the things and the reasons I'm still doing this is I remember two years ago when we had our last physical face-to-face conference, a guy stopping Gina and I in the elevator before we went up to our room and just crying, just tears going down. He says, you don't know what you have done for me and my wife. And I've never spoken to this guy personally. Don't, don't know this guy. He was just in our group and had been listening for a while and became a member. And he was part of our small community. And, uh, and here's this guy just pouring his heart out and telling me all of these things that I don't even remember saying, but how it just had such a, meaningful life altering impact and how his life is 180 degrees changed because of, it. and I was like, wow. And so, uh, you're right. I mean, I'm, I congratulate you on rebooting the podcast answer, man, and, and continuing to create the content. And, uh, it, it, I know you consume a ton of content. So, uh, it's like I get to live off of Cliff's overflow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So much fun, man. Well, Terry, I know we, you and I, could talk for hours and hours, but uh, I scheduled an hour with you. I want to be respectful of your time. I know your conference is next week, so there's plenty for you to do there. I just want to say, number one, you're looking great physically, Thank uh, you, brother. Uh, y- you're starting to look on the outside as awesome as you always have on the inside, <laughs> and I, I love that, brother. Uh, and so, I need
1: to put a green button
0: on real quick. <laughs> <laughs> It's awesome. Uh, Hey, real quickly, one of the things that I'd love to just take advantage of since I have you here, I want you to imagine somebody who listens to any of the content that I might put out, and they've heard that I do one-on-one coaching, or they have thought about joining the Next Level Mastermind, and they're on the fence about it. This is an opportunity for me to get a word from you about why they should actually just like, dude, don't, don't wait, just jump in.
1: No matter what level you're at, no matter uh, what areas um, you want to improve on in your personal and professional life, I could not recommend Cliff any higher. Uh, I Things that were ingrained in me that I thought, well, that's just, you know, to use a cliche, it is what it is. I'm just going to be good here, good here, but I'll be the fat guy here. And he has totally changed that where I have tried and spent money and diets and everything else and and businesses of course improved my business and everything else but uh, uh, the greatest money you can invest is I believe is money in yourself and when you're you're investing in coaching with Cliff you're basically investing in yourself and your future. And so I could uh, as best money I ever spent best time I ever had and uh, uh, I still consider everyone in that group that I know, Uh, very close and personal friends to the point almost family and uh, cliff is like a brother and uh, even though we don't get to speak as often and as frequent as uh, uh, we have before the relationship is invaluable and uh, so i can't uh, recommend you cliff strong enough
0: well it's one of the greatest years i had was that year spending with you man and i you you got you got me during a very inter- interesting transformative <laughs> season in my life and it was fun to share some of that stuff with you and oh, personal conversations
1: it. yeah it was fun and i loved every minute and uh love love the groups To tell everyone i said hello
0: i will and they will be listening i can assure you that here to the <laughs> um, community voice terry we'll talk again soon thank you brother many blessings oh wait 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 wait. name the name the yacht rock podcast and all the other podcasts that you have uh and, and give some urls because there might be somebody that came across this episode that hasn't heard yet and this like, dude a there's an aura
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, i can smell
0: that smell and i like it
1: uh, what's that smell uh oh what's that Wilson? song do you what's that's that a, that's
0: a uh, oh that, that smell
1: <laughs> That's so, uh, what's the rock, British rocker, Tears in Heaven guy, Eric Clapton? Is that who that was? Cream. Yeah. Cream. It was Cream, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 I, I, yeah.
0: Anyway. Ooh, that's Yeah. Up. Just
1: go to terrywilson3.com. That's the number three, terrywilson3.com. All of the different shows and content that I create is right there from music to uh, comedy to uh, everything in between.
0: Mindset, and